0: Welcome to the rights of others. Today, we have the privilege of uh, being able to uh, enter into conversation with Sean So, which is the chief executive of the Labor Education and Service Network, an organization based in Hong Kong, China. And uh, Sean has extensive experience uh, working on labor issues in China, and we will be talking about this in our program. But she is as well the chair of the board of Electronics Watch, which is uh, a civil society organization which we've, uh, we've talked about before in the rights of others, and to which I am very proud to also be a member of the board. So it's an absolute pleasure um, to welcome to The Rights of Others uh, my uh, really esteemed colleague, uh, Sean. So, Sean, welcome to The Rights of Others. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Wonderful. We're really, really excited to be able to talk to you and to be able to get the perspectives from um, actually the country, one of the countries and one of the uh, regions where we tend to talk about quite a lot about human rights yeah. and about um, labor uh, rights exploitation. And But mm-hmm. we keep on talking, and this is something that we've talked about in The Rights of Others quite a lot, and, and us as hosts, we keep on talking to people based in, the in the west and in consuming mm-hmm. countries rather than producing countries so it's fantastic uh, to have you because in a way you are also a bridge between between mm-hmm. the two between consuming and producing countries so um as we normally start i would like to ask you on uh, what are you working on and and tell us a little bit more about the labor education and service network
1: yeah. Um we are a very tiny labor NGO uh based in Hong Kong and we are um we were established um when um China was somewhat opened to the Western ideology and western world <laughs> after the WTO, after they joined WTO. they 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 were like um forced into accepting uh this foreign idea of NGO going in to China. So around nineteen ninety five, um there is this World Women's Conference. Yeah, World Women Conference. hmm or What's the word? I I forgot the word. But anyway, yeah, it was the a World Summit
0: uh, of World um...
1: Summit. Yes, yes. There's this huge women, um, you know, gender uh, NGO festival in China. And that was like the almost in decades, the first time that the people of China had seen something that is not from the government, not business. Um, Independent from government, but doing, um, interven- intervening into social and public issues. So it was very inspiring for China. And, um, so from mid 1990s to the early 2000s, uh, there was a wave of, um, you know, interventions or initiate, uh, initiatives. To, to start um, social, um, civil organizations in whatever form it is, um, to independent from, independent or semi-independent from government um, at the time. And so um, the labor activists in Hong Kong um, has have been concerned about labor conditions in China, also for, some years um, the one of the major um, interaction or intervention of Hong Kong uh, labor activists into um, Chinese labor issue was the um, Zhili fire in nineteen ninety three that was um, a toy factory yeah a toy factory um, so there was you know, one link on the global supply chain. There was a toy factory producing for a European brands. And um, it was in 1993, when there was basically no labor law in mainland China. Uh, mainland China was in the process of um, uh, you know, transforming itself from the socialist a planned economy to the market economy. So uh, back in 1993, there was no labor law covering contractual labor relationships. There were labor protection, um, like labor right protection uh, policies for state-owned enterprise uh, workers, which you can consider in the Chinese economy, the formal employees, of the state, and then they are uh, protected by a bunch of um, uh, regulations or, or policies, but there were no uh, labor law for contractual um, labor relations. And that um, when the Julie fire happened, um, I, I mean, uh, close to 100 workers were killed in the fire, um, a few hundred, seriously injured, but because there was no uh, labor law or uh, occupational health and safety um, ordinances, they went without compensation, Um, many of them without proper medical treatment or uh, follow-ups. And the um because um the fire was in Shenzhen and very close to Hong Kong, so a number of uh Hong Kong labor activists were shocked by the incident and they tried to um and also because this is a, 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 a you know global supply chain um incident, so um there was this uh, um um space for uh, these external labor activists to, um, to, to to go in and try to locate the workers who are injured, try to collect their cases, and file complaints to the brand that was buying from the, the factory, um, and to try to uh, pressurize the brand to compensate for the workers. So, so that was in 1993, and then you see 1995, there was this uh, World Women's Summit. And then, um, so uh, from 1995 on mid-1990s and then the 20, 2000, um, there were these um, experiments or pilots to try to set up um, labor services centers in Pearl River Delta. By the Hong Kong labor activist. Um, yeah, so I mean, it suddenly becomes a very long history. But yeah, that was the, the background of uh, the organization. Uh, where I mean, in in what type of um, um, historical background that that we came into existence, that um, the organization was established to um, work. Frontline or support frontline work in mainland China um, and very much in the supply chain labor issues. um, Hong Kong is being this bridge, as you have described it, between the producing end and the consumer end or the buying, purchasing end. And we are in a position where we can have um you know well um we're quite well connected to information that is uh allowed it uh there's you know going around and then um international mechanisms whether it's it's existing or non-existing or it could come into existence Uh, so um Yep, So, so that was uh, uh, the the background and and very much the role that we we once were playing, um, and then, so the majority uh, the major part of our work were um, providing labor rights, consultation support community level. Uh, support to migrant workers who are primarily working in the export-oriented factories in, in, in Pearl River Delta. Um, that was for, since around 2001 to um, 2015, so that's about, you know, 15 15 years of, uh, of this kind of work. And, um, and in the process, we've been observing the, the rise of strikes and workers' awareness and um, workers organizing themselves to, to try to bargain with their employer and many times also with the um, authorities. Um, and on, on wages, on social security, on uh, pensions, um, um, on, on, on compensation for, um, uh, injured or, or, uh, workers who, who, who got occupational disease. Um, yep. So, but after year two, 2000, uh, 2012, the Chinese government had and adopted a a different approach, uh different policy towards um labor right NGOs. And they try to um well there are more and more pressure on to right based or right based NGOs and um it's not only labor right uh, human rights or um, you know, lawyers, the um, feminist groups. Um, yeah, land right. Yeah, uh, uh, the 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 pet, the the, the uh, villagers fighting for their land right. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask this. many things going on. Yeah. So when you, this difference uh, in the terminology, I think it is Mm -hmm. quite interesting because I guess when when, um, the um, Labour Education and Service Network was established, it is quite Mm -hmm. interesting that the word rights is not in the title and to what extent... And and now, when you when you say in these fifteen years, really the I guess the awareness and the narrative has shifted from a soft approach of support to a, a, a you know a proper approach for fight for rights. And this seems to be what the um, Chinese government, mainline, mainland government is actually really uh, pushing against. No, this, this also shift into mm-hmm. many more uh, attentions towards rights in many more spheres, as you said, you know, um, uh, gender uh, groups, uh, land uh, ownership or, or land use, etc. cetera. No? Is mm-hmm. this a fair well, assessment of what's happening? Yeah, I think in China,
1: I mean inside mainland China the um the the, the rhetoric the, the terminology has never really changed too much to like um it has never been very um progressively you know announcing like right base or you know, a labor right, that, that kind of word is not used in Chinese language. Um, in, it is more of a language that um, organizations like us in this bridging position, try to communicate with the um, external world. Um, inside China, the words that is being used are um, welfare, Mutual help um, uh, defending right or defending right through lawful measures um, yeah and and even I mean for this uh, re, for, for in recent years, the word defending right is already sensitive, sensitized, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was not so much, now it is even sensitized as well. Mm. Uh, The the word um, defending right in Chinese context is is very limited. It's not about defending human rights, Mm. nothing about that. It's about defending the right that you have within um, you know, you're legally obliged to write. Mm-hmm. So what is written in the law, and you're defending that—that that, you know, defend defending right in, in in Chinese terminology, it has nothing to do with human right. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, some elements may be there, but it's not. Uh, it's, it's not about this concept of upholding human right or what. Whatever. Um, But even that, even that defending your right, your legally obliged right, is still now being considered um, um, confrontational or contradictory to uh, stability, the need to maintain stability in Mm. in, um, your body state. Mm. So, So, yeah. That
0: that, that that that's the term. So there's this suspicious as well, no, of the external influx as well of organizations mm-hmm. trying, you know, to, to place themselves in Hong Kong to um to make this passage to mainland china i guess and and how is it to, so from 2015 when uh, the first uh, uh, chinese uh, laws to restrict um, international uh, civil society organizations setting up in hong kong and uh, and in and china and the uh, your the restriction of your own capacity to have international links to now, to the new um, security law in Hong Kong. How how has the environment of you as a, as a, a human rights defender mm-hmm. changed, your working environment? How are you working in this context?
1: Um, well, the, um, the restriction on social space and uh, media space um started as early as 2012 we can say um in 2012 there was was this incident of um the shenzhen government uh shutting down or evacuating a dozen of ngos in its in, in the city um that was i mean from mid 1990s, that was about the first systematic um, clean sweep of of, of uh, right-based or right-related uh, um, organizations in, in, in the city. So we consider that marks some kind of um, shift in in, in the in the policy um, after that uh, the NGOs were still having some space to operate but it was shrinking and we can also observe there are more and more restrictions uh, were placed onto the media the uh, the, the social media uh, and also uh, the um, Workers, um, workers' action. But um, at the same time, we're also seeing uh, the number of strikes uh, uh, really rising um, due to the, the many shutdowns, like factories shut down due to uh, economic policy changes. Because there were is restructuring going on in the city. And then uh, factories were encouraged to move or close down, and uh, workers lost their their severance payment and lost their um, legally obliged right in those changes. And 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 there are uh, growingly higher consciousness, liberal right consciousness, consciousness amongst workers as well. Um, As we were saying around 1994 the uh, labor law that governs the labor contract relationship uh was issued and it it, it was uh, 10 10 15 years of uh, implementation not about 20 years of the, of implementation of these uh, labor laws um inevitably, you you have a younger generation of workers who are more knowledgeable about laws about their rights while the older generation they were like "Whoa oh, well, you know there were no no laws anyway and and the the you know the confidence in their rights need to um was built up through time and so so you you seeing a lot more conflict let's say uh, labor dispute um and the the way that the government is uh reacting to this was to suppress as um yeah, as it tends to, to to the several ways to suppress this. So one way is to suppress the Labour NGOs, they thought uh it's very much relating to, to, to these issues and then uh also uh making the courts that um uh, have you know non favorable um uh uh non non-fav- non favorable sentence uh-huh. for the court rulings. Yeah, non favorable court rulings. Um yeah, these kind of things. And then um, so from year two thousand twelve we have this crackdown on the NGOs and year 2015, there was a large large scale arrest of uh, labor activists who were involved in a collective bargaining case, which the case was actually resolved. I mean, the, the, the strike and there, was, there were strikes and there, there were negotiations and then the negotiations uh were honored by both sides i mean the workers and the um and the and the employer and it was uh considered a successful negotiation but then uh the activists who were involved in that um in that in that in the collective bargaining were later arrested and sentenced to uh yes a, a field of them like they arrest more and a few three i think three of them were sentenced um, to uh, imprisonment or uh prosecuted but not necessarily with, end up with imprisonment but i think two of them were um end up in with uh Prison imprisonment sentences. Uh, anyway, so 2015, uh, this major case um, on 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 labor organ organizers. Uh, and then um, 2017, there was the um, foreign and foreign NGO management law in China which basically uh says is there's no uh permission pro- like there's no prior permission from the government there's no entity in China can receive funding support or collaborate with any foreign NGOs um yeah so, so that that there was, we consider a way trying to shut shut out um, these interactions uh, of like Hong Kong with mainland China, or uh, or the UK with mainland China, and um, so for us it is a very very big move from the government. That um, one thing is. They try to well how we interpret this um the space for collective negotiation let's not even talk about bargaining because bargaining is you need to have a like mechanism you have a you have a contract uh collective contract signed after bargaining and you know, the the procedural things etc uh even the collective negotiation uh from instance to instance, like w- negotiation happened this time and it, 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 it's not necessarily a long term, you know, agreement that's being signed, but um, even it's only like a one, one off collective negotiation is not really um, that possible in China. Um, and the environment is becoming more and more and more hostile. To um, independent labor rights, uh, labor rights. Um, I I would not even use the word organizer, um, but if you are providing like some kind of uh, paralegal or consultation services to workers um, without uh, independent from the government. It's mm-hmm. already hostile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, right based, labor right based um, organizations, many of them um, during the years were forced to um, change and restructure themselves. Into uh, providing community services, uh, you know, stay away from labor right cases, because as a civil organization, it's very difficult for them to 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 survive or operate, Um, because you will be you know uh, you will be visited by the government uh, many times or um there are lots of intervention into your work. Um yep, yeah, so the space was, you know, shrinking. Um and the for those organizations who who can still work on labor right issues, as far as I know they they the the boundary is uh individual case, uh, individual case advice. So, no collective negation, negotiation or um, occupational uh, health cases, which means uh, work injured uh, workers or uh, occupational disease victim. So. In other than individual cases, oh yeah. So, uh, from a labor movement perspective, that that's not there's there's no movement potential Mm -hmm. (laughs) in those cases,
0: yeah. So you mentioned about um, different
1: type of uh, labor uh, right now, young uh, young labor force and the older generation. You also mentioned about migrant workers. So could you could you tell us, like, what is the landscape right now in Chinese
0: industry uh, and like what generations, how they are interacting, if there are any kind of um, very clear differences between those labor forces?
1: Um when we talk about migrant workers in mainland China, uh, most of the time we're referring to the internal migrant workers inside China. They're migrating from uh, rural areas or inner provinces to um, these uh, pro- pro- production zones, uh, these uh, ex- export uh, oriented production zones, and work in those factories. So um, we have um, a lot. Of, if we talk about workers in the electronics industry, um, the electronics industry workers are generally uh, younger. Uh, many of them are graduate from vocational schools. Um, in China, we have uh, the, the Chinese education system is that you go to normal secondary schools, and then from normal secondary school, you go through this, um, this, this uh, public exams, and then you, you try to get a good grade, and then you uh, go to university. And then if you, at the younger age, you're not good enough in uh, studies, you, you would not be going to, or you you are not qualified to go to normal schools, then you are either out of schools or you, you go to vocational schools. So we, we have about 8 million to uh, 10 million. I think 8 million is probably the, the, the amount now because China is, you know, the 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 number of young people in china is uh, it's aging uh, yeah the aging society <laughs> <laughs> due to the one child policy um so we have about eight million um vocational school students which is the sec- um if it's in in uk then probably it's from form 4 to form 6 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you know that that age group um and they they are they they they're in vocational schools and then sent to the um electronics factories um well it's it's very um electronics factories are not so attractive as a um draw opportunity because it's really boring work, <laughs> mm. so um, workers but it's it's rather stable, mm. especially for the larger uh, factories. It's rather stable, but then it's um it, it can be very disciplined and and somewhat robotic and boring mm. mm-hmm. so um, the younger generation workers don't you know don't really feel that happy in electronic factories, and um, there's always quite high turnover rate in the factories because uh, the, the 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 job you know the work itself is too boring, so workers try to you know jump from factory to factory mm-hmm. to 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 be you know yeah, to, to 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 have the excitement of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. So um so turnover rate is really high. Um from what we but of course the these, the, these statistics are all um twenty eighteen or so. Yeah. I mean after that, we don't really have that much firsthand, um, experiences inside mainland China due to the restriction of, uh, the, the, the limited, uh, social space and also, uh, the, the, the things going on in Hong Kong. Um, but, uh, back in around 2018 or so, uh, you know, the monthly turnover rate of 6% If the electronics sector tells you that we have a monthly turnover rate, which is 6%, which by annual, it's over 70% of uh, Mm -hmm. turnover rate, it's considered low, like a very stable workforce they have. (laughs)
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So so that's how, um, yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. So I actually really interesting to find out that when you are growing up or what was the time
1: uh, when you thought that, Oh, I really think that, you know, there's a gap between the policies and the rights. And uh, I mean, how did you saw that when you were growing up? And then what was the time when you decided, I think this is what I want to do. Um, I, I was, um, well, I, half of my um younger time like yeah um before the age of 12 i was in growing up in mainland china so i was uh receiving primary education in mainland china and uh yeah so i i i kind of um have the experience of of or 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 uh, grow up in the culture in that culture, and then but of course, my family is from the city, so still it's a little bit it's quite different from a rural area um, um, in china it itself there are the the different world in china so um, I can only say that i'm 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 growing up in um, cities uh, medium cities in mainland china. And then, around the age of twelve, I moved to Hong Kong. And then, afterwards, I, I received education in Hong Kong. And um, yep, so get to um, let's say enlightened by the um, the values, you know, this uh, Western ideology, <laughs> brainwashed by Western ideologies. That's uh, how the uh, our Chinese uh, fathers are uh, telling us um yeah um so when i was uh, growing up and then when I was in university, I get into touch with these um student activism um and uh i i think i i mean i i was a i was from a very normal um um high school normal meaning like really ordinary and you know not that um not not progressive neither was it um any like yeah just ordinary um mid-range and then um and then i was in the university and uh so i when I was in university, I got in touch with, um, feminism, gender studies, and then, uh, student activism. And that probably kind of brings something out that I, I wish to, um, work or, or commit my time to, um, social-related, like social development-related work rather than going into uh, companies or, you know, into the business, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, for, for some reason, the, the, the business world um, was not really, uh, yeah, w- was not really appealing. Um, and then, so I started out uh, working in Hong Kong uh, for some women's groups. Uh, for, for for a short period of time. And then I got the chance of interacting with some Chinese NGOs. Like I just described that it was this time of booming NGOs. It, it was back in 2002, 2003. Um, so I got into touch with those um, uh, NGOs, uh, you know, uh, getting to know them and see what they're working on and also the, the 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 um it was new i mean for mainland china this whole ngo thing is so new and people had so many um innovative ideas or uh, aspirations like there are so many things we haven't tried before and 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 yeah this is uh, entirely new world and you know there are uh very good acceptance from the people that we work with as well like um uh the the i was in, i was um in touch with a um i remember i was in a in a theater like people's theater workshop for, for a group of uh, women's ngos and labor uh migrant workers ngos and they were very enthusiastic about these uh, new approaches these new ideas and then yeah i i i i think it's more of the, these um um uh you know this this um uh the word hmm. well um it's really in, like innovative and then mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's new world yes yeah. yeah, so I
0: think is a thrilling uh, environment, I guess. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask you in relation to this. This, I the the concept of a student activism I mean, because um, mm-hmm. one uh, many of our previous um, uh, the people we've had conversations in the mm-hmm. podcast talk about growing up with the with a sense mm-hmm. of social inequality that there was social inequality mm-hmm. in front of them and a, a big sense of. Yeah. Of, of privilege as well to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so from early age, we've had several, several of the, of our guests talk about, um, mm-hmm. this, um, but it, it's very interesting, uh, your background when you say, well, you know, you, you were, you grew up slightly, um, not clueless of, of the world, but, uh, in, mm-hmm. you didn't have this exposure to uh, your own. Uh, mm-hmm. need to to react to what you were seeing until later so I, and now you're describing this you know the excitement of, of being something new mm-hmm. how how did this happen you know what you what you were exposed in the at university uh, is it specific people that come is it, how does it wake up in you this need mm. to actually work for others I think
1: it's during the university um during university um I I was um in different student groups and then I get into touch with some local social issues in Hong Kong that includes um um the uh the the, the, evac- the um, one major issue we have in Hong Kong is this um uh, residence right in urban renewal projects when you know the government decides uh, areas that need to be renewed and then they just evacuate everyone and if you're a tenant there instead of a landlord then you lost everything You know that, that kind of inequality um, and then the discrimination against the um, immigrants in hong kong that's of course there and then the um, inequalities that like, you know, the the wealth gap is is quite huge in Hong Kong. But of course it's even huger seen in mainland China. Um, And um, so I think during my university year, I get into touch with these issues and there were a lot of, uh, in in student activism, um, there are these ideas of social equalities and also, your responsibility or your role in the world you know those, those those kind of topics are being um discussed and 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 think about and then there's um values of uh, uh human rights and democracy and of course i myself being a woman um then there is this issue around uh body politics and feminist uh uh uh, uh Emancipation, liberation, it, 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 you know, a bunch of those things. <laughs> so, uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. So, those um, so, things. It it at the time, did you feel? I guess you you felt you, you were doing something bigger than you, you know, in a way, you know, that there was a lot of work to be done. Was there a sense in your family or in your background that you were getting into some kind of dangerous territory or, or something that, you know, is, is physically or, or socially dangerous for you? Um,
1: I think when I started working in mainland China, um, it was not that um i mean mainland china has always been um in more dangerous than hong kong that's for sure but then um especially you know with this um memory of the ni- uh, 1989 massacre you you the general people in hong kong have uh, some kind of uh you know um fear about about the regime and I think my background of being growing up in mainland China gives me a, a different, different perspective or sentiment towards the country that I, I don't inherently feel very fearful but i do inherently felt um rebellious against the the state um that that uh, well i mean uh some some instances of uh the the education that i received in my um primary school and and early secondary school were um Um, yeah, they, um, you know, those, uh, nationalist, Mm -hmm. um, or very, um, um, restrictive, um, uh, or, or indoctrinating, uh, education approach of education and, and some of the ways that the teachers were, um, dealing with their students. Um, yeah, the, 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 um, I, I hold some, um, um, disagreement to that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, from a very early age. And then, uh, so when I started getting, uh, when I started having the chance to interact with uh, NGOs in mainland China, um, I felt one thing is I felt culturally close and um, being able to understand them. I I felt I could understand them better than my um, entirely Hong Kong born um, counterparts. Um, And then at the same time, I felt that I understand the problem more as well. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I guess you can say that I I find a a unique use of my background
0: and and mm-hmm. and
1: yeah, and and my um capacity there.
0: So, uh, you said you you didn't feel fearful but uh, you felt rebellious about the state and so how yeah. now that you know uh, uh, more time has passed we have all matured hopefully <laughs> <laughs> at least we've, we've grown older i don't know if we've matured but uh and but the situation has also deteriorated quite a lot uh, politically yeah. Yeah. and become yeah. much more um you know if, 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 we could yeah. say even dangerous to do this work. How how do you feel about it? Do you still feel not fa- uh, fearful about rebellious, or are you in some at some level, you know, uh, feeling that this is tiring work that has uh, probably a, you know an important toll as well in your own um, everyday life? So, that, has this changed your rebellious approach? <laughs> <laughs> is it more yeah, you, more it's, needed it's, than yeah. ever?
1: <laughs> in, in a different uh, in different way, I guess. Um, I think it's very unfortunate. Uh, well, my from my angle, it's very unfortunate. But for some, they might feel, well, this is how you know China being great again. But um, from my perspective, because uh, I started working full time on 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 this um on the work as uh, since 2003 and i think there were like 10 15 years of time that china could have gone a different path um it what i mean when i started working in 2003 there were some rather um shocking and inspiring moment, one of them was uh, we 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 were having a um public event in in a park uh public event meaning there are close to one hundred workers and there are you know they, they sing songs and then they, 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 they do uh, labor law uh lectures in the public and they talk about their cases, etc. you know. So um it it was it, it is you know, not as um fearful as you thought. It, it it was actually quite there were years that it was quite open and or let's say um no man's land, <laughs> uh, because uh, the, 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 the government were not, um, I, I think they haven't decided what to do with this um, you know, independent social, uh, social, social organization, like civil organizations or civil forces. And then there were also, uh, not me, but I know there are many others trying out different approaches, to bring in uh, ideas like uh, community participation, like uh, good governance, like uh, accountability of uh, governance um, into uh, mainland China, like there are even uh, these um, um, these projects on village level elections, uh, universal suffrage for village level village level elections, so um yeah that there, there were this period of time that we are seeing maybe we would be going to a more um in terms of social space more open and more um politically uh more accountable to the people kind of um path. once it was like yeah yeah, there's a uh, possibility. And now I think, um, yeah, it, it, it's very unfortunate, like uh, around 2012, you see it, it's changing. And then we were not sure if it's really changing to, towards a uh, more um, authoritarian approach, but yeah, it, now we are very sure. <laughs> no, it where is. it is going. <laughs> yeah, so so. Um, I think we are, um, the lessons that we're learning from this, um, um, from, from, from this, uh, these years is, um, the one thing is I think we are trying to become more and more, um, aware of um of what's happening in the world like uh in in, in with what, what what is happening around us um and try to be very um um try to be not so wishful about the future but to be very uh, pragmatic but um um. Um. Consciously. Um. Try consciously to defend civil space. I think. Uh. Yeah. That. That's what I would uh, define my my role or um the 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 stand that I would want to take at the moment. That is. Um. I think. Um. For I mean, my personal belief, uh, for sure is um I think we need to I, I mean human rights as a baseline and then accountable governance and also a, a strong civil uh civil space, is that social civil mm-hmm. society? A very strong civil society is yeah, it's it's the um the necessity for uh, a modern society. So, yep. Yeah, and with what's happening now, I think we need to be, uh, and we are in Hong Kong, so we need to find cautiously and consciously find ways to, um, to defend that and to, um, Try to find ways for the uh, for the civil society to survive
0: yeah yep. very interesting very interesting because as well uh, this uh brings me as well to this other uh, actor that you haven't mentioned here but we work mm-hmm. in our everyday work that we do mm-hmm. with electronics watch uh, the uh, corporations and specifically mm-hmm. brands that are very kind of consumer facing both in the in uh, the west but also even in china so this uh, what is the role of these brands in terms of the they produce uh uh the their components uh, and they assemble the products in China. And uh, at the same time, they, uh, uh, you know, to stop, uh, absolutely deny any kind of uh, 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 need for political involvement, but uh, it's a It's a great benefit for them that there is no labor rights or no capacity for um, uh, freedom of association and collective bargaining. So whilst upholding the wonderful values of uh, Western consumism, we are, uh, you know, taking advantage of... uh, of, if even more repressive ways. So, so what is the role of of suppliers, uh, um, brands, and then you know, mega mega um, ODMs like Foxconn, for example?
1: Yeah, I think this is a very um, yeah very uh, key problem for our time now. That um, like. I think for many years we have this um, illusion of um you know business is business and politics is politics that was for maybe ten twenty years you thought well you know uh and and I think the the human rights uh due diligence framework has been built upon these um um Assumption that, or let's say, I think the the older version. I, I I mean the the new approaches in human rights due diligence is challenging that. But the older version, especially the um, company audits, um, they have this assumption of you know uh, respecting local national law assumption. Um, they, they have this, you know, we are coming to uh, buy the product from the producing country, and we need to respect the local national laws, and if the local national laws are such and such, and we will not uh, intervene, because business is business and politics is politics. And so, so to take them out from that decision of you deliberately going into a Country with very bad protection of labor, so you can get a cheaper price or you can, you know, get benefits from it, right? So, um, I think that assumption was not, uh, there were not strong enough challenges to that assumption until now. I think now we're seeing a, a much stronger, uh, challenge to that assumption because the politics is now being actively Bring in by uh, the regime. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, we feel that little, we feel that very strongly in Hong Kong because uh, the regime is trying to pressurize the corporations to stand by their uh, their uh, their repressive rules. Uh, the regime is now trying to pressurize like Cafe Pacific or um, like banks or um other major corporations to punish or like and and the um uh the public health authority to punish uh or to in uh, threat threatening yeah punish and intimidate mm-hmm. people who are holding a different political view than uh, or a challenging uh the the government. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this is like a a thrusting force that kind of um, force all of us to break that boundary of politics is politics and business is business. And, but maybe not in a good way yet because now I think um, we don't really have that much um, leverage to uh resist that pressure mm-hmm. and in Hong Kong i think the political pressure is so high that uh the corporations are now choosing to um to bend rather than being able to stand against it i yeah mm-hmm. so um But I'm not sure what it is happening at the the level of UN, because um, the human rights, um, business and human rights discussion, the framework is, of course, very much discussed in the UN. And um, China is also trying to seek for its, um, you know, leading role in the UN. And how would they, like, respond to this uh, request of... uh, regulating not only the European or American business but also the Chinese multinationals.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: What will it be? Yeah. Okay. And then um of course you would not be seeing mainland Chinese workers protesting um previously. You will see mainland Chinese workers protesting uh, foreign companies. Mm. Like Adidas or um, um, Foxconn, but I think from now on, actually two years before, like since 2017 or 18, you don't see any Chinese workers protest a foreign company or mainland company in a campaign way. Um, there are still strikes in mainland China. There are still workers' protests or workers' uh, lawsuit cases against their um, employers. But um, the the campaign side of, uh, of the movement, like the social mobilization and uh, yeah, the campaign side is being almost completely uh, taken up. Mm-hmm. So the impact of um, the the labor dispute is being limited to that dispute mm-hmm. locally, or only to that case itself, or lo- very local.
0: So, and, and, yeah, so I understand this instead yeah. of, uh, you know, having a, a proper um, kind of counterpart to the uh, power and the influence of the brands. But, you know, the fragmenting the capacity of uh, workers and, and workers representatives to actually um, yeah. uh, confront. The, I think the,
1: the, uh, the approach of um, um, defending labor rights. Uh, through supply chain responsibility, this is a one approach that has been developed in the past uh, two or three decades. We had many trial and error, and we we are now reaching to a, a stage of um, we're having a few models that. Uh, are, um, are are there, uh, established, to um, facilitate this labor right protection along the supply chain. But what China currently is doing is taking that out of the supply chain, taking labor dispute out of the supply chain. It is being contained within uh, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it it might not be the intention for the, I mean, it might not be the major intention or the primary intention for the government to do that. Uh, the primary intention is, is probably more about uh, social stability, but for them like, no, nothing, like no dispute or no protest is a good, it's a good thing, um, which is, uh, very different from, uh, our view as seeing the civil society as, a, as, a, as a, uh, as, uh, uh, organic and, and should be respected. But then for, uh, mainland China, when they are, you know, uh, pursuing social stability, um the 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 result of this uh, pursuit is taking um they, they isolate the workers of China mainland China from the supply chain.
0: Interesting. Very and interesting. that
1: also provides a protection for the corporation. Mm-hmm. So um, while the these um, the labor movement or the movement labor movement consumer movement uh, is challenging this you know business business uh, politics the politics and we respect this local law kind of uh, uh, approach by the corporations, but what the Chinese government is doing now is actually you know uh, helping the the corporations to to be able to maintain those issues within China, uh, 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 preventing international pressure being put onto them, or preventing those issues being brought to to uh, international mechanisms.
0: Oh, very, very interesting. Um, so, uh, Sean, to, this is a fascinating uh, conversation. And for me in particular, I've uh, worked uh, uh, for years now on the electronics industry and uh, we've we worked together on, on really advancing some of the uh, Ways to actually um, confront this um, this uh, isolation of issues, as you said, and then you know the um, uh, shielding of corporations against accountability mechanisms, such as bringing in the public sector, focusing specifically on remediation, focusing on on uh, um, uh, rights that are generally. Uh, less in the spotlight such as mm-hmm. abusive labor recruitment etc so this is uh, absolutely fascinating uh to hear you uh talk about this and and obviously always amazing to to share um time with you so uh, to wrap up and to mm-hmm. finish i just mm-hmm. uh, would yep. like to ask you what's next in your agenda <laughs> you know what what are what are your own personal professional challenges and and, and what you want to see in the international business and human rights agenda
1: I think um well i mean for my i mean probably like uh a lot of people in Hong Kong, that um the present is to yeah to 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 find out about what is going to happen <laughs> what what the hong kong society is going to change into um there are many things and development that are it's unimaginable 6 months ago for for the people of hong kong so so now there are many many um new and not so brilliant things happening here in Hong Kong. Um, yep, Princess, you said, they, they, this uh, reporting hotline of the national security law is just being really, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Shocking and scary. Yeah, <laughs> released. And they encourage people to report each other for uh, national security. Uh, breaching the national security law. So if someone uh, listens to this podcast and they can say, you know, this uh, <laughs> this, this person is uh, breaching the national security law because uh, you know you never know what is national security. Uh, you know what what is being covered by national mm-hmm. security. It's a it's a really uh, a, a a pocket um, uh, criminology. Uh, was it. Pocket
0: accusation.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, the,
0: so, um, the uncertainty over what it means, the discretionality yeah. of interpretation is the basic um, uh, tool yeah. that authoritarian regimes use.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's the way that they try to create fear. And I think we need to see what uh, Hong Kong society and Hong Kong civil society will become um how would people and uh react to this and what are what what is the space i think the space is not uh not dominated or when we talk about social space is it, is not entirely prescribed by the regime but it's also uh mutually maintained or defended by the civil society uh, Uh, stakeholders together so um, although we don't really have a big leverage but there are still some roles for us to play and I think for the coming uh, at least coming you know one or two years this is the the major major topic that we need to um, look at and uh, for mainland chinese um you know supply chain would change tremendously um due to COVID, and then also due to this uh, political um, um, um um tension internationally so what will happen like um will the production bases moving out from China? Um, how would the Chinese multinationals uh, operate? Mm-hmm. And I think that is one major um, challenge in front of us is, um, even if, I mean, if we want to, um, and sure, like in the um in the subject of business and human rights, we need to also consider like how would be able how would we able to also uh hold the chinese uh, business to the business human rights framework while we may not be able to do Uh, effective monitoring or we it's very difficult to get information or uh, the complaints or workers voices are being
0: uh, you know
1: suppressed um, and there's no or very weak uh, national level uh, mechanisms to hold them accountable what are the what are the ways Mm -hmm. yeah and and I think um, china of course is a' is a challenging topic, but not only china uh, east Asia as a whole um because Japan and South Korea are also you know growing really big uh in terms of um multinational companies and et cetera and and I mean for Japan and now south Korea. It for many years they they are also free from the um, scrutiny of uh, human rights uh, mechanisms right? We have a lot more leverage on Western brands than this um, you know Asian brands. So this Asia value versus this you know western value, <laughs> this world of the cultures i think it, it, it is uh, uh, uh yeah it is very challenging um you know when we see the the, the election uh in the u s and the election in u k and then, uh and how people are reacting to um issues of migrant or issues of um um cultural um tolerance or uh, respect of cultural values uh, or human rights values. Yeah, I think we are in a quite a difficult time to rework um, uh, to reestablish the 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 mechanisms that we thought it should work well, but now maybe not so well. So we need to you know um, reinvent. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, fascinating. This is this is we're recording this. Literally, the day in which uh, Donald Trump comes out uh, <laughs> and to ask his uh, position yeah. as uh, current president to denounce the democratic uh, uh, system of elections and the uh, democratic uh, right of uh, every citizen to vote. And uh, yes, uh, as we're recording, we still have uh, uh, officially uh, being called yeah. the results of the US elections. But the, what we're seeing, you're totally right, what we're seeing everywhere is this erosion yeah. of the mechanisms that we thought were the pillars, the fundamental pillars of our social contract. Um, And this included um, monitoring, accountability, and implementation of of, um, the rules that we give ourselves to to live in a rule of law and a, a society that respects all of us. So... Um, Chong, what can I say? It's yeah. an absolute pleasure talking to you. I really you. Uh, look forward to more chats, more um, uh, joint work. And uh, uh, we really thank you for coming to the rights of others. Thank you.
1: Best oh, wishes. Uh, take <laughs> care and uh, be yeah. safe.
0: Thank you so much.